and welcome. My name is C.B. Etter, and I'm the senior pastor of Christ Community Church. We are so glad to have all of you here this morning. And if you could open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 18, that's going to be the passage of Scripture that we read today. Matthew 18, uh, beginning in verse 21, it's going to be our passage. We've been in the midst of a series in the Gospel of Matthew entitled, Follow Me, talking about the Christian's call to follow Jesus. And this passage of Scripture here is another way in which we are called to to follow Jesus. And so the title of the message this morning is, The Vital Importance of Extending Forgiveness. Matthew chapter 18, beginning in verse 21, we read, Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger... His master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Let's pray together. Oh Lord, we see in this passage just the importance of forgiveness and taking it seriously. And Lord, I pray that that would be driven home into our hearts, Holy Spirit. I pray that you would open up our eyes to see how much, Almighty God, we have been forgiven by you if we're Christians in this room. Lord, and I pray that our hearts would be moved with a softness and a tenderness toward our brothers and sisters who at times sin against us. Lord, I pray that we would reflect your heart and that we would follow your ways and that we would be a church that would be a forgiving people for your glory. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I don't remember where I first heard this phrase, but it was a little while back when someone said to me, everyone thinks forgiveness is a good idea. Until they are called upon to forgive. Everyone thinks forgiveness is a good idea until they are called upon to forgive. This passage illustrates uh, many things, but one of the things it does illustrate is really the difficulty that forgiveness can be, even in the life of a believer. Jesus is talking here to Peter who comes and asks him a question flowing off of 
the instruction that Jesus just gave on how to care and involve church rescue when individuals begin to wander away from the faith as a church. He was talking about here, Peter asking a question about personal forgiveness. And he's saying, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? This might seem like, ah, that, that, is that question asked frequently? I can tell you that as somebody who's involved in counseling frequently and counseling individuals who have been in conflict with one another, the question of how long, how long do I need to put up with this is a very common question. How many times do I need to forgive? So Peter's question is very relevant to all of us. Everyone thinks forgiveness is a good idea until they are called upon to forgive. We're going to look at three points this morning from this passage. The first, forgive great frequency of sin. Forgive great frequency of sin. Secondly, forgive great quantity of sin. And then thirdly, take forgiveness seriously. Take forgiveness seriously. Let's look at this first point. Forgive great frequency of sin. That's really the essence of Peter's question here that begins this whole entire parable on the unmerciful servant. Jesus answers Peter with the question, how how many times, Lord? And he actually offers a suggestion, as many as seven times. The reason that's significant is in the Old Testament law and rabbinical tradition, it was required of someone to forgive somebody three times. And then on the fourth, you did not need to forgive them any longer. That was part of the tradition of the rabbis at that time. It would have been a well-known thought. So Peter saying as much as seven was really more than double the requirement according to the Old Testament tradition and law that the rabbis were teaching at that time. So Peter's request, it sounds very generous. And it's important to note that because Jesus answers Peter. And, and this is a question of frequency. How many times do I need to forgive someone when they come to me and ask me, for forgiveness. And, and here Jesus says, I do not say to you seven times, Peter, but 70 times seven. This uh, description of 70 times seven isn't reflective of uh, 490 times. And then on 491, now you no longer need to forgive somebody. Because if that was the case, um, as a husband, I've passed even over 491 And uh, my wife has been so gracious and merciful to me as I've sinned against her throughout our um, heading up on 19 years of marriage in July. I love you, my sweetie. So glad you're here this morning. Seven, 70 times seven is really, if you look in, there's a wonderful connection here in the Old Testament in Genesis chapter four. You may remember this, that after the description of the fall, remember Cain sins against his brother Abel, and he kills him. And it, it's a great act of wickedness, an act of murder against his own brother after man's fall into sin. It shows how great our fall into sin has been as mankind and the effect that it has had on all of us. But in Genesis 4, there's a man named Lamech. And in, in Genesis 4, verse 23... Lamech boasts this to his wives. He says this, he says, I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. And then he says this, and this is indicative of the fall and our natural inclination as fallen man. He says, if Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's is 77fold. He's sort of describing revenge and taking revenge. And this describes the heart of man outside of Christ. The heart of fallen man. Forgiveness does not come naturally to us. And it's evidenced by Lamech's boast that, hey, if you think Cain was revengeful, he's basically boasting into the the degree of revenge that he's capable of. Cain Revenged seven times, 
I'll revenge 77 times. He's talking about going to the full number and nobody's going to top my ability to revenge. It is a sad testament to just how far mankind had fallen that that boast is described here. What's amazing is you see Jesus here turning it on its head and saying, you know what, not revenge, but rather what the Spirit of God has produced is forgiveness not seven times, but 77 times or 70 times seven. That number seven is the number of perfection or the number of completion. And that 70 times seven is, is, is the wholeness and fullness of forgiveness. It's really an unlimited amount of times is basically the answer. We should never be limited in our capacity to forgive other people, no matter how many times they come to us and ask us for forgiveness, even for the same offense. The answer to that question Jesus gives here in relation to forgiving great frequency of sin is that we, brothers and sisters, should have no limit upon how many times we will extend forgiveness to somebody who has wronged us and who has sinned against us. That's the call that Jesus gives to us here. And that is a very, very important thing for us to ponder in the life of the church. That no matter how many times somebody has wronged us, said something wrong about us or sinful about us, we are meant to carry a forgiving posture of heart toward them. I want to hit this now because I don't know if we're going to have time to hit it later, but what do you do when someone sins against you and they don't acknowledge that they sinned against you? Well, brothers and sisters, we can only extend forgiveness to, to the individual that comes and asks us for it. However, Jesus, when he's hanging up on the cross, says these words. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They were not asking him for forgiveness. In fact, they were spitting upon him and mocking him as he said these words. They were casting lots for his clothing. It was just utter degradation, utter humiliation. Jesus was the ultimate victim of mankind's injustice, wickedness, and sin. And he is hanging up on the cross with perfect love. And he's saying to them, as they are in an unrepentant state, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You see this also in Stephen, who was martyred in early in the book of Acts. Ben just touched in on Stephen's life. And he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He served as a deacon in the early church. But a couple chapters later, he's preaching the gospel. And he was stoned to death at the hands of Saul, who is later converted. But as Stephen is being stoned to death, he says, do not hold these sins against them. You're talking about getting rocks hurled at you for the good and loving act of preaching the gospel. And this heart of being filled with the Spirit flows out with, Father, don't hold this sin against them. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. It is possible, and I think this is something we all have to take to heart. We can walk in an attitude of forgiveness, postured, to forgive any offender against us or our family, even if that person doesn't come ever and ask us for forgiveness. I believe it's incumbent upon us to walk in the Spirit of Jesus Christ and say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do, and to be poised and ready to forgive should anybody ever come and ask us for forgiveness. We should have an attitude of forgiveness. No matter how many times somebody has sinned against us, Jesus is saying, you should be ready. Your heart attitude should be such that you don't harbor things against other people, but actually you are rather poised to forgive them. And, you know, those of you who are becoming new members here, I'm so thankful that you're here. And we are so grateful to have you as part of our church family now. Welcome. We're family. Just as in biological families, a spiritual family, this side of heaven sins against one another. There's going to be times when individuals 
sin against you in this church. I wish it wasn't the case, but it is the case. You're going to have people say things about you sometimes that aren't true. It's going to hurt you. I believe it's important for us. It's vitally important to walk in an attitude of forgiveness toward our brothers and sisters in Christ. I was reflecting on this verse over the past week, and it's actually been on my mind often. I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. I think it's just a very important verse. It's in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 21. In Ecclesiastes 7, 21, this just affects me. The Word of God says, Do not take to heart all the things that people say. Lest your heart, lest you hear your servant cursing you. Your heart knows that many times you yourself have cursed others. The logic of scripture there is you yourself know that many times you have cursed others in private. And if anybody overheard what you talked about, they would have been appalled by it. That's happened and you've done that. So therefore, you're going to hear stuff and pick up stuff that others might have said about you. There's, there's this attitude here of do not take it to heart. There's a call in scripture of overlook minor offenses and be willing to overlook and, and have a heart posture and an attitude of forgiveness. You don't keep as 1 Corinthians 13 speaks of a record of wrongs towards your spouse, towards your children, children, towards your parents. You don't keep a record of wrongs as a Christian. You don't live that way. You don't live according to the law's mentality of three times, then the fourth, there is no forgiveness. That's not the way we're called to live as followers of Christ. We are called to extend forgiveness as forgiveness has been extended to us. I I, uh, was so affected and moved by this quote, the law keeps count. Grace does not. The law keeps count. And I want to ask all of us, are, are you the type of person that just keeps count of how you've been wronged and keeps stuff on everybody? And how they've wronged you or haven't wronged you or have wronged your family or haven't wronged your family and walk and live that way. It's a horrible way to live. Brothers and sisters, we're not meant to live according to the law where we keep records of wrongs and we say, you know what, I'll forgive a couple times, but then no longer. We are meant to forgive great frequency of sin. And this is easier said than done, isn't it? This is so hard. All of us by nature... We go toward Lamech's path, not Jesus's. You wrong me, I wrong you back. And 77-fold. But as the ESV study Bible says, true disciples of Jesus are to forgive without keeping count. To forgive without keeping count. My friend, my brother, my sister, does that describe you? Do you forgive great frequency of sin? Speaking to our married couples, this is our call, isn't it? To love one another. Marriage is many things, but one of the things it also is, is a call to forgive without keeping count. Because there is no spouse that is sinless. And I want to say... Thank you to all the couples in our church who continue to walk in that pathway with one another. That is no easy thing. It takes the power of the Holy Spirit to do. And as Ben was saying so wonderfully during the new members class, or the the new members this morning, he was saying, you're going to shine like a lamp. I was thinking of you with how you shine forth as you forgive one another and extend forgiveness to one another and don't live keeping a record of wrongs toward one another or toward other brothers and sisters in the church. It is so important to forgive great frequency of sin. Louis Cintron preached a message last week at his old church in New Jersey and one of the things I was affected by as I was listening to the recording was He was saying that we need to treat those who've offended us with kindness. 
we're not even allowed to hold people at a distance in our hearts. I want to ask us, brothers and sisters, are we rising to that call? Can we together, let us together, rise to that call to not just tolerate one another, but to love one another and to extend forgiveness with one another in such great measure that we actually are walking in Jesus' path. I do not say to you seven times, but 70 times seven. Oh, brothers and sisters, may we rise to that by God's grace. May we be a merciful and forgiving people. Amen. So moved just being here together with you and love worshiping the Lord together with you, church. And you are this kind of people. God's making us more and more into this kind of people by the power of the Holy Spirit, isn't he? I see how forgiving I am now compared to how I was in my past. And, you know, that's one of the ways I can look and see. I really am a Christian. I grew up as a young man that who, if somebody looked at me funny, I would get in a fist fight with them. I grew up in a tough neighborhood. And I see now, since I've become a Christian, where I really believe I'd be willing to not only endure, but even if somebody were to punch me in the face, I believe by God's grace I'd be able to turn the other cheek to them in the Lord. The only explanation for that is the Holy Spirit. I see the transformation of the power of the gospel in my life by the forgiveness that doesn't come naturally to me or to you, but that is welling up within our congregation, one for another. And brothers and sisters, that great is your reward in heaven for living that way. I believe when we forgive in that way, it ought to be trumpeted. And when we forgive with great frequency like that, it shows the world something different that they can't understand and can't comprehend. It shows them the power of the gospel in a way that shines, as Ben mentioned earlier, like a bright light and like a lamp into this dark world. Thank you for your example. And may we all rise to this in the Holy Spirit for the glory of God. Jesus has been that way with us. I want to tell you, you know, every time I feel like it's very hard for me to rise to it. You know what always helps me? Meditating upon Christ. I want you to ponder this, my friend. How many times has God forgiven you of the same offense? Again and again and again, we've committed them. And again and again and again, we've confessed our sins. And he's been faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Hasn't he been so good? Hasn't he been so patient and so kind? What we have received, we are called to extend. And may God give us grace to do that. We're to forgive great frequency of sins. We're also called to forgive great quantity of sins. And here's where we enter into the parable. Jesus tells this story. Look in your Bible together with me. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold. This was common practice in this culture. Sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him. And forgave him the debt. Well, brothers and sisters, just to understand a little bit of what's going on here, the amount that's owed here comes into question. That's why forgive great frequency of sin. Second point, forgive great quantity of sin. This is reflected in the the dollar amount, if you will, of the 10,000 talent debt that this man owed the king. 10,000 talents or 10,000 is the highest number in the Greek numerical system. This really couldn't have been extended any 
greater. And to understand this 10,000 talent debt, uh, I was really indebted to the ESV study Bible for this delineation, but for someone who earned $15 an hour, the comparison is somebody here who earns $15 an hour who makes $30,000 a year. One talent is the equivalent of $600,000. 10,000 talents, which is the debt that Jesus records here, is the equivalent of $6 billion. It's meant to describe an incalculable debt. I was calculating this out in my mind. Um, Six billion dollars. If you take the possibility that a man in his lifetime could live to be a hundred years old, and from the time he was born to the time he died, was able to work and earn thirty thousand dollars a year, what this would calculate out to would be over two hundred lifetimes. Two hundred lifetimes of labor to pay it back. It's an impossibility. You can't repay the debt that's owed. And and Jesus is telling this story very clearly to, to delineate that. This man comes before the king and and he was ordered to be sold. There was no way for payment to be made, and the servant falls on his knees, imploring the king, have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. Impossible. The king justly could have just said to him, not in 200 lifetimes could you ever repay this debt. Twenty thousand years worth of labor could not have covered it. And brothers and sisters, what we see here is he falls on his knees before the king desperate, and he appeals for pity. And aren't you so thankful that our God is clothed with compassion and clothed with pity? Because here we see the description of the king. The answer that he gives to him isn't, you know what, I'll give you more time to pay it back. Pay it back. That would have been merciful enough. But rather, there's this shocking description of what takes place here. He actually releases him. He released him and forgave him the entire 10,000 talent debt. He releases and forgives him over 200 lifetimes of debt that could never have been repaid. This is a description of extravagant grace and extravagant love. And brothers and sisters, this is the kind of extravagant grace, extravagant love, and extravagant forgiveness that everybody who is in this room who is a true believer in Christ, you've been forgiven like this. I've been forgiven like this. We have been forgiven great quantity of sin. Brothers and sisters, we have been forgiven for more than we will ever be called on to forgive others. A debt that never could have been repaid has been forgiven us, brothers and sisters. So therefore, we should extend what we've received. We should ponder and marvel at what has been forgiven us. This description here of Jesus talking about how God has forgiven us of our debts is meant to cause each one of us to marvel. 
because we deserve an eternity in hell for our sins. Our sins against the holiness of God are an incalculable offense. They're infinite in their guilt and took an infinite degree of forgiveness against those infinite offenses, against His infinite holiness. And therefore, they are worthy of infinite punishment. And God said, I am going to save you upon believing in My Son from needing to bear the load of your sin forever in hell, receiving my just punishment there. Instead of all that, I'm going to put all of that punishment upon my son. All 10,000 talents of your guilt and mine placed on Jesus. And then God the Father said, I'm going to punish him and save you. He's going to be your substitute. Somebody has to pay the debt. You got to understand that forgiveness is not just about, ah, you know what, sin doesn't matter. Sin matters. Somebody had to pay your debt. Somebody had to pay my debt. And Jesus paid it all. As we sung this morning, hallelujah, brothers and sisters, Jesus paid it all. Isn't that something to get excited about this morning? Jesus paid it all, brothers and sisters. We should all marvel that God would have loved us so much that He would have sent His only Son to bear the 10,000 talent mountain load of our guilt so that we could be saved from that punishment and receive His forgiveness full and free so that we in this room can walk out of here this morning knowing that we, I love this word in the passage, we've been released emancipated, John, right? Released. Set free. The Old Testament parallels of the year of Jubilee. All of your debts gone. Canceled. And you are now free. Oh, brothers and sisters, this is meant to provoke great joy at the forgiveness full and free. Father, forgive her, for she knows not what she does. Father, forgive CB, for he knows not what he does. And the Father says, I forgive him. I'm going to punish you, my son, in his place. Marvelous love extended by the King of Kings and our Father. And we have been released. We go free. And brothers and sisters, you're you're, you're looking at this story and you're marveling at over 200 lifetimes of, of, of debt that is paid off and he's walking away free and you're just, you know, we know this parable so well, we know where it goes, but you know, when it transitions here in verse 28, but when that same servant went out, he went out rejoicing. You're almost expecting this story of grace and gratitude and mercy and overwhelmed that he had been forgiven of this debt, look rather at what happens here, brothers and sisters. When that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. Pay what you owe. It's important to note here that a hundred denarii, one denarii is like a day's wages. So you're looking at a hundred days wages. That is a little over three months of your salary, friends. If you think of it this way, if you're really looking forward to your income tax coming in, Just imagine just all that just getting taken away. You're not getting it this year. This is what you were meant to get, but we're taking it. This description of 100 denarii, it's a significant amount. It's not insignificant. It's not a penny. It's three months salary. It's something that you depend upon. It costs you significantly and you want that money to come in it's 
It's not minimizing the fact that this individual was owed a debt from another brother. And when you feel like you're owed that amount, it's okay to feel that. When someone sins against you greatly, it affects your life. It's okay to feel the cost. It's okay to feel the pain. But what do we do with it? We see what he does with it. He seized him and he began to choke him saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant, here, this is like deja vu. His fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. It's like the exact words that he used with the king. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. He refused. Verse 30, that he refused. It's, again, we know this story so commonly in Scripture, but this is meant to be a shock. It's meant to provoke outrage. How in the world can this guy do this in light of what God had just done for him, in light of what the king had just done for him? It's meant to provoke emotion. Jesus tells this story. And he went and put him in prison? Are you kidding me? Until he should pay his debt? Verse 31. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. And then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. And so also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. And finishing up that second point, forgive great quantity. Brothers and sisters, it's not easy to do. But the alternative to forgiveness is putting someone in prison. We might not physically take somebody to jail, but we can lock them up in our hearts. You wronged me, and I remember. And live that way toward that person for the rest of our lives. We, I've seen individuals hold on and not release someone for the entirety of their lives. Even people who are professing believers, and they, they put somebody in their own prison. Brothers and sisters, that's a very serious thing to do, or we can keep a record of wrongs and we can demand restitution. We can be very exacting towards those who have wronged us, our spouse, our children, our parents, our loved ones in the church, and we can say and live with this mentality, pay what you owe. It's a very hard-hearted phrase, pay what you owe. It It's meant to liken you back to Genesis 4 with Lamech. Revenge seven times, Cain? I'm going to up that ante. Seventy-seven times will be my revenge. You want to wrong me? You want to wrong my family? Forget forgiveness. You're going to get my revenge. And brothers and sisters, to this, I just want to, I want to just remind us that we are called to forgive great quantity of sin. People who have wronged us greatly. I'm not saying it's easy. We must forgive others. We must walk in an attitude of forgiveness toward others. And can I just say a word to this? Let us have all the compassion and patience in the world for the people in our lives for whom it is just hard for them to forgive the person that's offended them, let's not counsel them and just say, come on, forgive and move on. As if forgiveness is an easy thing. Three months wages, if it was taken away from any of us, would be hard. Let us recognize that something might not be a big deal to us, but it's a big deal to our brother or sister. And let's enter in compassionately to the challenges that they have faced in their marriage, the challenges they have faced with the person that's wronged them or violated them. 
there's, there's offenses and sins. People can bear the scars of those for life. Are we still called upon to forgive? Yes. But let us enter in with compassion and mercy and patience and not kind of just give a quick rubber stamp of, hey, Jesus forgave you. Why don't you forgive? We want to reckon with how people have been wronged. We want to counsel compassionately people who have been violated and victimized and hurt and not treat sin as if it's not at least a hundred denarii's worth of difficulty to do. It's hard to forgive sin. It's hard to forgive somebody who's violated, who's hurt you, who's taken something out of your life that you'll never get back. That is something that is very hard. But brothers and sisters, we are called to forgive great quantity of sin. As the Lord has forgiven us, Colossians 3.13 says, so we also ought to forgive. Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Ephesians 4, 32. I was thinking of the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our debts, Lord, as we forgive our debtors. We are called to forgive our debtors. And to forgive great quantity of sin, even as God has forgiven us great quantity of sin. Brothers and sisters, a debt that never could have been repaid has been forgiven us. So we should extend, we should extend what we've received. We've received forgiveness of a 10,000 talent debt. We are called to forgive others the 100 denarii that they owe us and not choke them, not put them in prison. And I want to just really admonish all of us in the Lord. This is a very serious thing as we turn our attention to point three. Take forgiveness seriously. Beware, brothers and sisters, of hardness of heart in all of its forms and manifestations. We tend to think that it's just the big sins that can get you and bring you down. No, bitterness and unforgiveness, that'll do. That'll render your life completely unfruitful for the Lord as you lock down and self-protect. Nobody else is ever going to hurt me in this life. I've been a victim and I'm not going to open up my heart to love anymore. Oh yeah. Brothers and sisters, we are called to Get on our knees and beg God for the power from the Holy Spirit to forgive others their sins against us. And that is not an easy thing to do. If you know somebody in that place, pray for them. Be patient with them. Counsel with them. And friend, if you are in that kind of a struggle where it's really hard for you to forgive, I want you to know we as a church sympathize with you. And even as you've struggled with that, know that the Lord's posture towards you is one of patience and mercy but the Lord is going to continue to move you toward forgive as you have been forgiven. There's no getting around. That's the pathway Jesus is taking all of us on. And we must beware of hardness of heart that lives toward other people with this attitude. Pay what you owe. Spouse, pay what you owe for all that you failed to give me throughout our lifetime. Pay what you owe, mom and dad, for not being the mom and dad that you should have been. Pay what you owe, brother, for talking bad about me behind my back and then I heard about it. You're on my list now and you're never getting off it. Brothers and sisters, we are not meant to live that way as Christians. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Law keeps count. Grace does not. May we be Christians in this new covenant community called our local church that display this beautiful spirit of Christ that forgives 70 times 7, forgives great frequency, forgives great quantity. And oh, yes, indeed, brothers and sisters, takes forgiveness seriously. And if you're struggling right now with forgiveness, can I just urge you just repent before the Lord. 
for your hardness of heart and pray that the Lord would give you a soft heart. Do you know that God's in the business of giving soft hearts? When we're saved, do you know what he actually does? It says this in Ezekiel. He removes our heart of stone and he gives us a heart of flesh. It, our heart goes from hardened to soft. One of the ways you can identify a true Christian is they're soft hearted. Where once there was a heart of stone, unforgiving, unmerciful. Now there's a heart of flesh that loves Christ and loves his people and loves even God's imperfect people as they're slowly being sanctified on their heavenly journey. Let us be postured, not with a pay what you owe mentality. You know, and that's not easy. Because you know what? The person really wronged you. It's not right that they did what they did. It doesn't mean... What are you saying? I should act as if it didn't happen? No, it, it happened and it was very painful. Feel that pain and weep over that pain. And, and it's okay to feel it. But what it's not okay to do is to harden down upon it. As if God hasn't forgiven you of much more. We must not, we cannot give ourselves over to that spirit. Let us rather be a merciful and forgiving people who recognize how much we've been forgiven by God and are very willing to extend the mercy that we've received from God to those who have sinned against us. Brothers and sisters, a debt that never could have been repaid has been forgiven us. We should extend what we've received. Because our Lord Jesus, there's never been a greater victim. And when he hung up on that cross and he bled out, he did that for you, willingly. And he calls us now to repent of our hardness of heart, to repent of our unforgiveness, And friend, can I even ask you, let us all just close our eyes and respond to the Lord in prayer in just a moment. When we harbor unforgiveness, we have hold of somebody in our heart with a tight grip. I want you to imagine a tight grip that we have and we're holding on. The Lord wants you and I this morning by the power of the Holy Spirit to do what He did to us. And that is release them of their debt. Release them. Release that person. Release them right now. Give it over to God. It wasn't right what they did, but you need to release them over to God and what they did, what they said about you. You need to do that right now. And we all need to cease harboring hard-hearted thoughts about them and begin to walk in love toward the person who sinned against us. Jesus has done that for you. We are meant to extend that to others. Almighty God, I pray that you would pour out your spirit upon us as a church and that we would be this kind of people with ever-increasing measure. Lord, I pray that you would right now forgive us with where our hearts are hardened, God, with where we as a people at times are given to keeping a record of wrongs toward anybody in our life, we want to say we're sorry. Lord, we ask you for forgiveness for hardness of heart. It's so unacceptable that we would have been on the such receiving end of mercy from you and then to turn and choke our fellow brother or sister for what they owe us. God, it, it doesn't glorify you to live in that way. Help us, Almighty God, 
to move from pay what you owe to release them with joy and to give it over to God, to trust you that vengeance is yours, Lord. It's not for us. We are not to hold people in prisons of our own making. We are not meant to hold our spouse in that prison any longer. We're not meant, Lord God, to hold our parents in that kind of a prison. We are meant to release as you've released us and you've set us free. Almighty God, pour out your spirit upon us as a church. Soften our hearts. Cause our hearts to be tender toward you and toward others. Let us shine forth the glory of your gospel, no matter how much we've been wronged, no matter how much we've been hurt by others. Lord, in the name of Jesus, help us to release to release and to be free because Lord, when we let go, the one who is free is us. We're free. And I pray Holy spirit that you would pour forth your power upon us. And I pray that my brothers and sisters who have just done that, that they would rejoice Lord God, that you have given them such power to, to move forward, Lord God, and to let go Lord God of that which has been hurting them. Lord, they have been hurt so much. And God, you care about that pain. You care about the hurt that they've needed to endure. Almighty God, you understand what it's like to be hurt by sin more than anyone. And Lord God, we thank you so much that you have not treated us out of how we have hurt you and how we have wronged and sinned against you. And Lord, you call us not to treat others out of how they've wronged us, hurt us, and sinned against us. Lord, We need your power. We know that we can release and then we can quickly take hold again. Protect us, Lord God, from not being that kind of people. We want to release and walk away with joy and engage with love and open up our hearts to these brothers and sisters with love. We want to walk as you walk, Jesus. We want to extend what we've received. And we ask you to do this by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to ask John to come forward. If there's anybody here who's not repented of their sins and trusted in Jesus, please repent and trust in Christ for your own forgiveness. He will forgive you your 10,000 talent debt of sin as he's forgiven me. And if you do believe in Jesus for the first time, would you please come and share that with one of us? We would be delighted to pray with you and to rejoice with you as the angels are rejoicing in heaven. Would please stand. CB quoted <coughs> Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. The first verse of chapter 5 says, Therefore be imitators of God. Forgiveness imitates God. And we're called to imitate God in forgiving others as he has forgiven us. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. And the church said, Amen. Go in peace and shine for Jesus this week.